I would like to welcome Rochelle Gardner to the podcast this morning. Uh, Rochelle, thank you so much for joining me and for your time. Uh, I look forward to talking with you. Absolutely. So do I. Thanks, Ginny. You bet. And as uh, introduction, I'm going to share a little bit about Rochelle and what she has done over the last uh, several years. Rochelle Gardner is founder and literary agent with Gardner Literary. She's worked as a literary agent since 2007. Rochelle has negotiated 300 plus contracts with more than 20 publishers and has worked with more than 200 authors to bring their books to publication and build their careers. That's amazing. That is amazing, <laughs> especially from someone who loves books so much. Uh, how, how much fun that must be. Uh, she's been in publishing since 1995, worked in-house at two publishing companies, and edited books published by HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, Penguin Random House, and many more. Nowadays, she feels lucky to work at the foot of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. When she's not working, you can usually find her out hiking the local trails, riding her bike, haunting bookstores, or having coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> coffee. I think it fuels a lot of writers. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm very grateful for it. So you have worked as a literary agent since 2007 and then opened your own agency. Tell us a little bit about uh, your decision to make that transition and uh, what types of manuscripts and authors you represent. Okay, well, um, I've been fortunate to work with two incredible literary agencies previously and um, really loved that. I was um, very lucky to get to work for nine years with Janet Grant and Wendy Lawton at Books and Such and um, such an incredible um, team of agents there and roster of clients and, um, and that was just a really great experience. Um, for me, just um, because of who I am, it just felt like the next natural step you know, in my trajectory or my career was to have my own agency. So I decided to do that this year. And I think um, the pandemic kind of gave me a lot of, um, it just kind of spurred my thinking in terms of, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. You never know how things are going to go. If there's something you want to do, you know, you ought to just do it, you know, don't, no, no waiting around. So um, I was, I opened my agency as of January 1st of 2021 and um, brought most of my clients with me. Um, that I have been representing already. Um, and I've taken on quite a few new clients since the beginning of the year as well. So um, this is just an exciting step for me right now. I'm the only agent in the agency and I don't have any immediate plans to bring on anyone else. So we'll just see how it goes. Um, I do work with, um, I have an office manager who helps me every single day. So she kind of really helps me run the business, but right now it's just the two of us. So um, we're having a blast. And um, so as far as the things I represent, um, I do represent several amazing fiction authors, but I have made the decision as of this year to take a pause in uh, representing new fiction authors. So I'm not really looking for those right now, although occasionally someone does come to me through a referral, um, you know, that 
maybe that I just can't turn down, but um, I have been doing so much work in nonfiction that um, I just felt like I didn't have the time to really give fiction what it takes right now as far as trying to find new fiction authors. Um, so I've taken a pause on that, but um, I'm doing a lot in nonfiction, mostly for the Christian market. I do a lot of work in the area, um, in the areas of justice. Um, and I'm, I'm always looking for sort of next generation voices in the faith community. Um, books about the intersection of faith and culture, um, books about deconstructing and reconstructing faith, af asking the hard questions about faith. Um, I really have a strong focus on books by um, authors of color and just bringing diversity into my list. Um, and I really do also enjoy like deeper spirituality and prayer books. I'm interested in feminism and women's issues for sure. And um, occasionally I'll take out a memoir, especially if it has to do with some of the topics that I've already mentioned. Um, and I have some books having to do with family life, also looking at some devotionals. And um, yeah, that's and, and some gift books as well. So um, kind of a, you know, a range of nonfiction. Uh, so I'm going to jump ahead to a question I wanted to ask you because it, it fits well here, which means I'm going to get a little off track, which is a little scary for all of us, but <laughs> we'll hope for the best. Uh, you represented authors whose work has really helped me as a Christian, as a woman, to examine my own beliefs, um, to examine the Bible in in light of what it means to be a woman and God's purpose for those created in his image. So uh, Rachel Held Evans, uh, Sarah Bessie, um, Austin Channing Brown, books like that that have really made me dig in and think. And I have so uh, appreciated those authors and their work and your work with them. And it brings to mind the question for me, and maybe I think I, I'm hopeful it's relevant to other authors. How important is it for a literary agent and an author to share similar theological doctrinal views? Is that important or is it something that doesn't necessarily come into play? Well, I'll tell you what, for some people, it's very important. Um, they, it's a hill that they would, would wanna die on, that kind of thing. Um, in my mind, it's, it's much less about um, doctrine or theological beliefs or understandings, but it's more about um, the respect that we have for each other. If, um, if you have what I know to be different theological beliefs than mine, um, but I can still totally respect you for that, and I, I don't have any issues with it, um, and you don't have any issues with mine, that we are able to coexist, you know, then um, then we can work together very well. And that's how I have always operated because I do actually represent authors with kind of 
a wide diversity of beliefs. Um, I have, I, you know, I represent some authors who um, whose beliefs directly contradict with those of some of my other authors, but we have, a, you know, a respect between us. We can, we can respect what each other does. That's not true for everyone, um, especially if your doctrinal beliefs, you know, sort of prohibit you from working with someone who has a, a belief that's very, very different from yours. So, I mean, as in any situation, it's always a, a personal question um, and it'll be, it'll be different depending on who you're working with. But um, I, um, have, I don't think I've really had much of a problem because I, I, I might have my own beliefs, obviously I do, but, um, but I have such respect for each of my clients and, and what their own journey is and what they're wrestling with and what they're writing about. And, and I learn from every one of them. So that's my perspective. I love that. That's a beautiful picture of, um, in my mind of Christianity and the unity that Christ calls us to. And uh, there are going to be times when we're not all going to agree and that's okay. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for answering that. I think it's uh, as we're thinking through, uh, as writers are thinking through looking for an agent, uh, I think that's an important question to consider for themselves. And exactly. So thank you. So going back to um, fiction, nonfiction, uh, I spoke last week with uh, Janet Grant and Wendy and had a wonderful conversation with them. And they talked about some of the changes in the market in terms of fiction and um, how self-publishing has impacted that market and uh, the availability of slots at publishing houses, all of the reasons that, you know, some of those changes have taken place. But it made me wonder with nonfiction, uh, what is the market looking like now coming out of the pandemic? Are we seeing changes um, in the types of manuscripts that publishers are requesting or looking for? Have you seen an impact? Well, I think that the market for nonfiction is just wide open. And um, in terms of the Christian publishers, I think it's actually expanding in terms of what they're looking for and what they're looking at. Certainly each publisher still has their own guidelines and you know their own boundaries of what they'll look at and what they won't. But I am um, I'm seeing a lot of desire for some of the, the, the same kinds of things they've always been looking for, which are just like really solid Christian references or um, Christian living things helping us along on our on our spiritual walk. But also there's a there's just a very large expansion in their desire for um just to diversify the kinds of topics that they are willing to cover. I've got, um, I've got books coming out from everything from like, you know, deep spiritual prayer books to books on immigration um, and, you know, memoir of a black woman's life. I mean, just like really looking at different kinds of topics. I have um, a book that just came out that's um, a Christian evangelical mom and her 
what her journey was after her daughter came out to her as gay and then how she worked through that, you know, over the years. And just, um, you know, there's the publishers are looking for, they're looking for different voices and looking to just like seriously grapple with what it means to be a Christian in today's world. Yeah, boy, that's great. It seems like, um, it seems like, and this is very general, so, but, uh, you know, so many of us stayed home during 2020, our lives shifted dramatically for that time, we slowed down in many ways, and we were perhaps more aware of the world around us than we have been in a while, and so it's fun to see that hopefully some good is going to come from that. And we will be reading some of those stories that are uh, more self-reflective and reflective of the diversity that is our world. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're representing that piece of the publishing world and nonfiction because it's so important to our own growth and, and the way we evolve, so fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, as we talked about in our brief conversation before uh, the podcast episode began, um, I recognized recently in the midst of this series I'm doing with literary agents, I have not asked the very basic question of what does a literary agent do for a writer? And part of that is that sort of curse of knowledge that we talk about as writers. Um, I just, it didn't occur to me to ask that because I have been represented for a while. So what does a new writer who is considering traditional publication for the first time, what can they expect from an agent? What does an agent do? So this is gonna be really different for every writer in every different situation and also different agents work differently as you know. So, um, so you know, my answers are, not going to apply to everyone. But the thing that's really interesting is that there are some people like fiction authors and people like yourself who maybe they've been a writer for a long time and they've had publication as a goal for a long time and they've sort of known like, oh, at some point I'm going to have to get an agent. And so then they start researching that and they go, well, what does an agent do and how do I get one? So there's those people. I actually work with quite a few people and I'm working with quite a few people on this level right now where um, they have, say, um, a huge, you know, YouTube channel uh, where they're talking to Christians, or um, or they have they have some other thing going on, where um, it was com it would completely lend itself to a great book, and um, and and they do have ideas for what that book should be, and so um, so sometimes my work with authors starts before they even have a book, or even before they've even considered themselves a writer. So I've actually got um, several different clients right now who are in the stage of, they don't have a book yet. They have, you know, we both know what should and eventually will be in that book. There are no words on any page. So we're kind of way out ahead of it, building what this book is going to be, beginning to work on the proposal, getting them working on sample chapters. And so I am working with them along, along the way getting it going. So wherever you are, um, some agents will 
work with you at the proposal stage. And of course, proposal stage is, I mean, that's mostly referring to nonfiction. Um, for fiction, typically an agent is really not going to be able to look at anything. They're not going to even want to look at anything or talk to you until you have a completed manuscript and it's not your first draft, but you've you know, you've taken the time, you've done, you know, revisions and revisions and revisions. Um, hopefully you've gotten some outside feedback and done revisions based on that. So, you know, if you've really gone as far as you can on your own before submitting to an agent. So, uh, but even in that case, you know, when we're very first starting to um, consider working with someone, a lot of times we will read a manuscript and um, and offer some notes and saying, you know, I could I could see representing you if you change this and this and this. Same thing with a with the proposal. So at the beginning stages, we will often be helping to shape that project in a way that fits with what we feel like can sell and you know can be your best your best work. So so we help get everything ready for submission, prepare the proposal. I typically go back and forth with my clients with the proposal. So I'll send them a proposal template and I say, don't try and make it perfect. Just like take a whack at it, send it, send me a draft. And then I will do some work on it and I'll make some notes and send it back and we'll go back and forth until it's done. So I'm trying to put together the proposal that I feel like has the best chance of selling to a publisher at this point. And I will um, do some editing on their sample chapters if needed. So, so we get everything ready for submission. Um, the agent um, puts together a list of all of, you know, each individual editor that they want to submit to at the various publishing houses. So part of the advantage of being an agent, you know, for a long time is being very familiar with each publisher who the editors are, which editor is most likely to love this project. So choosing the right editors and the right houses to send it to. So then we do a pitch letter along with the proposal. We send it out on submission. Um, and then we handle the whole process of, um, you know, taking offers, negotiating offers, whatever, helping the author to decide if there's more than one uh, publisher that's making an offer, then managing that process of figuring out which publisher that we're going to go with and helping helping the author to make that decision as well. So we'll um, accept an offer, go with the publisher, and then the publisher um, prepares a contract, which as you know, is usually like around 20 pages, single spaced. And um, the agent will go over every word of that um, and then go back to the publisher and negotiate the points that we would like to change to try and improve your terms. So we'll go back and forth with the publisher on your contract until we're satisfied with the contract. And then, you know, and then you sign and the publisher signs and then, and then, you know, we're off to the races and now you're, you're contracted. Um, and then, um, and then comes this process of you're working on your book and, um, the agent is just there for any any questions, any help along the way. If you're having any issues, if you don't know if you're going to meet your deadline, you talk to your agent about it. And then eventually, we're going to start in on the um, having marketing meetings with the publisher, and um, we're going to be talking about cover design. Uh, there's often a lot to negotiate there, and so the agent really helps with that. Uh, we'll be talking about the book title, you know, and so we're trying to agree on title and subtitle and everything. And we have a lot of negotiations with that. And then, um, and then there's the whole marketing process. And sometimes I'll, 
um, be like on the phone with my client, you know, we'll be brainstorming some marketing ideas or, you know, how can I help you grow your Instagram, for example, let's talk about some ideas for that. So just kind of being there. And then, um, and then, you know, you have the book release and the agent is just always there for any questions you have, any problems you have. And, um, and then your agent will be like, I said this to a client this morning, we're on the phone and I said, so have you thought about ideas for your next book? You know, and then we kind of get that ball rolling and trying, trying to help you build your career book after book in a way that makes sense. And, um, you know, kind of guide you in that process. You might have three ideas for your next book and we will talk about it from the perspective of what do you feel like writing? What, you know, what's mostly, what are you most passionate about? And I will be looking at it from the angle of um, what makes the most sense based on the platform you've already built and based on what your audience would be expecting from you. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it and, um, and try and work it out together. So just, uh, yeah, someone who's your advocate and your partner all along the way. So I cannot personally imagine uh, doing any of that without an agent, <laughs> uh, and, and especially for the small percentage that uh, you know of my advance and royalties and all of that that an agent uh, gets. But there are still people who uh, may not want an agent that they want to try and do it on their own. Is it possible even to um, navigate a publishing without an agent these days? Do publishers still accept manuscripts directly from an author? And I know that's not a straight across the board answer, but tell us about that a little bit. So um, all of the larger publishers um, prefer to work with an agent and some of them require that you go through an agent so they don't accept submissions directly from authors and then a lot of the medium size and smaller will accept submissions directly from authors and all of that information is readily available in either the writer's market which is updated every year or the christian writer's market guide which is updated every year and you have a listing for each and every publisher you know so penguin random house it'll say you know must be represented by an agent but like broadleaf books it's going to say you know if you'd like to submit you can submit directly here or submit through an agent so um all that information is readily available um if you are if if you are hoping to get with one of the larger publishers, then getting an agent is definitely the way to go. Um, but certainly having an agent is not, is not required and, and self-publishing is obviously always available to you. Yes, absolutely. So, but you do limit your choices of traditional publishers without an agent. Yes, and um, even if you, so I have, I have actually taken on quite a few authors over the years who maybe did their first book without an agent. And so then their next book or, you know, books, they, I'm representing them and they really notice the difference in the process. And um, they usually often, well, they, they also have brought to their attention at some point in the process, um, 
what I would, if I had negotiated their first contract, how it would have been different, you know, what, what terms could have been improved that it, an author would just wouldn't know anything about, how could you? Um, but what it would look like, you know, if I had negotiated that contract. And um, so, I mean, there's definitely some, some downsides, but for some people, it, it doesn't matter if you, you just want to get published and that's fine, you know? <laughs> Great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that very um, specific and useful answer. I think that'll be very helpful to writers, especially new writers. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about memoir and uh, number one, because it's one of my favorite <laughs> books to pick up and because um, I fictionalized my own story. My first novel is a very fictionalized version of some events in my childhood. And for that reason, as a writing coach, I connect oftentimes with writers who want to write their own story. And, and that's difficult to do. And it's difficult, I know, to get published. So how do you, as either a literary agent or as a writing coach, uh, how do you coach writers who want to write a piece of their own story? What do you tell them? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> and I did not prepare you for that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> Rattling I mean, around in my mind. <laughs> I do work with a lot of people who are writing their own personal story. So it really depends on, on where they are you know, in the process and, and what their goal is. If their goal is a traditional publication, that's sometimes different than if they just want to write their story for posterity and self-publish it. Um, but I mean, the first thing I encourage um, people to do is to, number one, find the story. So, you know, a memoir is not an autobiography. It's not, it, you can't tell your whole life story. You've got to know where's the story in your story. So it's usually either it's one thread of your life like one particular topic or angle on your life, and maybe it spans many years, or it's one time-limited segment of your life, maybe the two years that you were battling cancer or whatever. So that's gonna be time-limited. And you're, you may have little pieces in your story that you know you have flashbacks and things like that, but your, your main story is, is a time-limited story. So you've gotta find the story. Another thing you have to do is um, be really ruthlessly honest with yourself. And this is really hard, but is my story really interesting? And is it, um, is it something that people are going to want to read? And um, so with memoir, the bar is very, very high because you have to, you have to meet all of the requirements of both nonfiction and fiction. In fiction, it's all about the writing. You know, it's got, you've got to be a great storyteller, but in memoir, you do too. You can't just be like, oh, I have a great story. I, you know, I lived this incredible thing. I'm gonna write about it. The only memoirs that, that make it big are the ones where the writing itself sells it. You know, um, it's just told in a, in a incredible, you know, page turning way. So, um, 
there are a lot of memoirs, for example, about um, a battle with cancer. But each one that actually does make it to publication, and particularly the ones that do really well and become bestsellers, it's always about the writing. Because at any given time, I don't know the numbers, but millions of people are battling cancer, right? There's a lot of those stories. So we get a lot of those submissions. So the ones that rise to the top are the ones that are told in such a way that you are just turning pages as if it were a novel and that you're just really, really connecting. So, you know, finding the story, making sure it's interesting enough, and then making sure that you're working on your writing, that you're not just slapping it together, but you're actually becoming a a word crafter, you know, you're, you're really working on it. And it's not unusual for a good memoir to take two years to five years to even 10 years to, to get it right. Um, so take the time that it needs. Don't be in a hurry to get your memoir out. So I don't know, those are just a few things I can think of. <laughs> those are great, great words of wisdom. Very good. Uh, I you know, I write fiction. I, I've learned how to tell a story. When I thought about writing a memoir, it's a whole different deal. I, I know how to tell a story, but when you're considering your own life, it becomes much more complicated. So it is a difficult process. And I think it's difficult to do it well. And boy, when you pick up one that has been done well and the author's voice is so unique and uh, it's crafted beautifully. It's such a joy to, to read, but anyway. Okay, right. I'm sure I could talk to you all day. <laughs> um, love uh, hearing from you and so appreciate your experience and wisdom. And I will respect your time and try to keep this at the 30 minutes, but thank you so, so much. Uh, writers can find you. I will link to uh, the notes um, on the, the episode notes. I'll link to your agency and all of that information. And um, we'll look forward to hearing the responses and comments on this episode. So thank you. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate um, talking to you today and hope I hear from some new people. Yeah, great. Thank you so much.